0: This is the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Our teacher today is Church Elder Matt Johnson. Good morning, Church.
1: Uh, it's, it's my pleasure that uh, I get to open up God's Word with you this morning and uh, look at the Scriptures to see what God has to teach us. And um, I will tell you that uh, preparing to preach to a camera is is one of those things that you, you never think or prepare for or um, you long for because I think it's just missing that that crucial aspect of just being able to see you all face to face and to engage with you to to hear what's going on in your life and to as, as we're opening up God's word to really uh, know that you're there with us together. And I can say on behalf of all the elders that we long. For the time when we get to uh, see you all face to face and engage uh, in a in a corporate setting for worship and, and I'm praying that even as we engage virtually this morning that we can you know remember what a joy it is when we are together where we can hear each other uh, singing praise to God to, to to listen to each other's stories and what's going on in our life uh, and I pray that we, we remember that this morning but while we may feel like our freedoms as of lately feel like they have been uh, infringed upon in some way or we give them up in a way, I, I just want to pause. Um, see, this weekend's a, a holiday weekend, and holidays are set aside for something that often we, we should be intentional to remember more often. But uh, a specific day is set aside to intentionally remember and pause uh, as we think about certain things. And Memorial Day is a time where we want to honor those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms that we talk about today. See, it says in God's word that greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. It shows that he values Something greater than himself, that he would surrender his life for his friends, his family, for those he would never know, that he put ultimately others' interests in the most extreme way before himself, before his own. I think it touches a chord with us so deeply in the church because it reminds us of the
0: sacrifice that our Savior made for us, that he would surrender his life for you and I. So for those of you that have loved ones, family, friends
1: that have given that ultimate sacrifice, we mourn with you and we never forget the
0: costly sacrifice and the costly price of freedom. All of us have become all too familiar these past few months with the impacts of disease.
1: We've gone uh, to great lengths, each of us in our own way, to think of our neighbors and put their interests before ourselves to to honor those that are in authority over us. Um, But even apart from the pandemic, most of us likely have faced the devastating impacts of disease. I mean, all of us are just one phone call away from getting that devastating news from the doctor that would change our lives forever. I mean, this past week, we lost Ravi Zacharias, a great partner in the gospel, to disease. Ravi gave his life to the area of apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Ravi was utterly convinced that Christianity, unlike any other worldview or religion,
0: answered life's biggest questions the best. He was having back surgery when they found a
1: tumor in his back and it had been causing him extreme back pain for, for a while. But then, over the course of two months, that tumor took his life. Disease is an ugly thing, and all of us have felt the effects of it today. Today, I want to I look at a passage where we'll see Jesus' authority over disease. But hopefully, I also want to show us that Jesus is one that has absolute authority over all things. If you have your Bibles with you, or your tablet, or your phone, I'd love for you to open up uh, to Matthew 8, and we're going to focus on verses 1 through 17, and we're going to have the scripture on the screen, but I'd love for us, and I'd encourage you to, to read out loud at home. Uh, there's something very special about hearing God's word read aloud, and to read it out loud uh, as a family, or those that you're with So we're going to start in verse 1, and then we're going to read all the way through uh, to verse 17.
0: Now it says in verse 1, When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And
1: behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean." But only say the word, and my servant will be healed, for I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes; and to another, come, and he comes; and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marvelled, and said, though to said to those that followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother in law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took
0: our illnesses and bore our diseases. Pray with me. God, you have all authority. You have all power and you have given the ultimate
1: sacrifice and everything you do is linked to the beauty of your work on the cross. I pray this morning that we would fix our eyes on you as a church, that you would you would turn our worry about the current state of affairs into worship of you and that someone who is hearing this might, might see you. And be confronted by the authority of Jesus and surrender to you as Lord, even now, this morning. God, we love you and we trust you, and it's your name we pray. Amen. If you like to title things, I'd title this sermon, The Authority of Jesus. But my big idea for you all is this Jesus' absolute authority beckons. Our allegiance. Not too long ago, we went through a series called The Upside Down Kingdom, where we investigated what kingdom life looks like. And specifically, we looked at the Beatitudes and Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. In fact, that entire sermon, which spans from chapters five to seven of Matthew's gospel, is all about what does kingdom life look like? I mean, but Jesus didn't just teach and explain he he taught in a very unique way he taught as one with authority throughout his sermon you hear him say you have heard it said but i say to you or he says truly truly i say to you almost validating and saying this is absolutely true what, I'm, what you're about to hear from my mouth and at the end of his sermon it says the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he spoke as one with authority and not as the scribes and this theme of authority is important in Matthew's gospel, and, and we'll see him highlight it throughout, and, and that's one of the things we're going to look at here today. See, here in chapter 8 and also in chapter 9, the, the, they're this very unique unit in Matthew's gospel. He arranges various miracles in order to demonstrate to us something about the authority of Jesus. Now, we're going to focus today on on Jesus' authority over disease in Chapter Eight, but my desire is for you to not walk away just in awe of Jesus' power to heal, but the authority of the healer in this first section in the first four verses, we see that Jesus has the authority to heal the unclean. Verse one starts when he when he came down the mountain, great crowds followed him see. Matthew's established that Jesus is a great teacher and his fame was spreading throughout all the region. But Jesus taught with authority and now he wants to show how Jesus demonstrates his authority. See, the crowds weren't just going to be witnesses to his words. They were going to be witnesses to his deeds. Matthew is showing us that Jesus was the real deal, like both in word and deed. He talked the talk and he walked the walk. And as he's coming down the mountain, something very odd happens. A leper approaches him. Like everything about a leper approaching Jesus amidst a crowd is very awkward and unacceptable in Jewish culture. See, a leper was likely someone that would have what we know today as Hansen's disease. Their nerves would go numb. Their flesh would have sores. They would be easily prone to infection. And in advanced cases, like their, their limbs would decay and fall off. And from the book of Leviticus, lepers were seen as ceremonially unclean. And they would have to shout, unclean, unclean, as they approached someone from a way off. So that, that person would know not to get too close. It was the Levitical approach to social distancing in a way. They lived outside society in their own colonies. They were outcasts. Lepers were untouchables. They were avoided at all costs. And their disease caused them to be cut off from the ones they love. But notice how he comes to Jesus. He knelt and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. See, notice that the attitude of this outcast approaching Jesus is one that Matthew wants us to pay attention to. He acknowledges Jesus as Lord, and he doesn't doubt Jesus' power to heal him, but only he just says, if you're willing. See, he showed great faith in knowing that Jesus had all authority and power to heal his disease. He just pleaded if he was willing to heal him in that moment. Now, there's something worth noting here as well. Often we find ourselves praying to God, asking for healing. But there is sometimes a difference in what God can do and what God wills to do. God is sovereign over all things, but it's not always in his will to heal or to fix every scenario or every illness. As believers, we trust what God is capable of doing. We trust in his power, but we submit ourselves with what God wills to do in our life, even if that means sickness, disease, even Death. It says in verse 3, Jesus touched the leper, the untouchable leper, someone who had not been touched since he was pronounced unclean. This was a huge social stigma, but and let alone it was a health risk. But notice what happens. Instead of Jesus contracting leprosy, it's almost as if the leper contracts Jesus. And it, it says immediately he was cleansed. See, Jesus had the power over the disease and it and drove it out of him. You know, leprosy is a lot like sin. The results of our sin, even the re- results of other people's sin on us, can leave us feeling unclean, undesirable, outcasts even. We can feel cut off from the ones that we love. We can feel like parts of our life are numb, decaying, even dead, due to the effects of sin. But Jesus has the power to make you clean, bring back to life parts of you that you thought were dead, unclean, or without hope. See, Jesus turns to the leper and he says, tell no one. See, Jesus doesn't want to be known as just a simple miracle worker. But Jesus does affirm the Levitical law and sends him on his way to the priest to show proof of being unclean or being clean. It was proof that he had come in contact with the one who had authority to
0: make him clean. From the miracle of the leper, we now turn to Jesus' interaction with the centurion.
1: This is one of my favorite passages. And we'll see here that Jesus has the authority to heal the unworthy. Now, we know from history that a centurion was a military officer, typically over 100 or so men. But as a centurion, he had superior officers over him, he had the tribune over him, and they had a superior officer and a superior officer all the way up until Caesar. Now, Rome occupied Israel and was disdained by the Jewish community because they were a part of the oppressing class. They were the occupying party in their country. But also, it was because they were Gentiles. They weren't Jews. This centurion and his servant both were not, a part, not Jews in any way. In Jewish custom, it would have been unacceptable for a Jew to enter into the house of a Gentile, let alone uh, eat with them or spend time with them. They were considered unworthy to be a part of the household of God. When Jesus says he will come and heal him, the centurion is taken aback since he, he knows the customs. And he says, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you enter into my, my house or come under my roof. He knows that he's a Gentile, and it would have been unacceptable for a Jew like Jesus, especially a teacher, a rabbi like him, to come into his house. But something else is going on here. See, the Roman centurion isn't just acknowledging him as a Jew and the social stigma, the Roman centurion is honoring this Jewish teacher as a Lord. The centurion clearly sees Jesus as the, the one has um, authority and power, and he humbles himself. The centurion says, only say the word and my servant will be healed. He has faith that Jesus has the power, and he realizes he doesn't even need to risk the social stigma of him coming to his house he only needs to just speak the word, and it'll be, it'll be so. And from his work experience, he understands this type of authority all too well. He understands that he has men under, under his authority, and that he is under authority himself. He, he understands the chain of command. See, when he gives a command to one of his soldiers, his soldiers know that he's speaking off behalf of his superior officer. And, and that really stems from the authority that's given to him from Rome itself, from Caesar himself. So when this centurion speaks with a command, he's, he's, he's literally speaking on behalf of Caesar. He represents Caesar himself. And now we shouldn't expect this centurion to, to know all of the Old Testament scriptures. But because he didn't grow up in the Jewish community or in a household uh, that study the the Old Testament scriptures, but he has seen this Jesus. He has heard Jesus teaching and acting and doing wondrous deeds. And he realizes when he sees Jesus, that this is one who has authority. He realizes that when Jesus speaks, God speaks. When Jesus acts, God acts. And Jesus marveled not just at the great faith of the centurion to heal, but the insight and respect that he has of Jesus' authority. The centurion knew he was in the presence of one who could do as he wills, and he respect respected his authority. Now, Jesus follows up his comments with when he says, Many will come from the east and the west. Now he, he he's talking about the boundaries of Israel. And implying that those that would come to recline at the table would be Gentiles. They will be the ones that feast with Jesus on the last day. And now he, he contrasts that with the sons of the kingdom. Those who are Jews. Those who grew up in the household of God. Those who grew up with God's word. Have an understanding of its teaching. But they had this religious system that was built all around it. But And they were a part of God's chosen people, but they had no, uh, they were not submitting to the authority of Jesus. They didn't see the scriptures that pointed all to Jesus and then recognizing Jesus for who he is and who he, so the point Jesus is making is not that is that heritage or family or your religious upbringing isn't what saves you. It's your faith it's it's who you've placed your faith in that is characterized by humility instead of arrogant entitlement.
0: See, in the last day, many of us will be surprised who will enter Christ's kingdom.
1: Jesus affirms this at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. You know when he talks about, he says in verse chapter seven, verses uh, twenty two. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? It won't be the ones who have done much for Jesus' name that escape hell, but those that submit to and embrace Jesus. We don't like to hear hell talked about or preached on in church, but Jesus, more than anyone,
0: described it in vivid detail, and it was never pleasant. And I can't move on without asking you, what
1: are you putting your faith in? Where does the ultimate authority in your life lie? Is
0: it yourself? Is it in what you can do? Only Christ has the authority to heal unworthy sinners. There's
1: nothing you can do to heal yourself. There's nothing that you can do to lead to your own salvation. Christ is the one who speaks with authority. And when he speaks, God speaks. To defy Christ is to defy the God who made you.
0: Jesus then does what the centurion uh, asked of
1: him. And he says at that word, at that very moment, his servant was healed. But hear this. At this very moment, Jesus has the power to heal you of your greatest sickness. To take you from death to life. And will, will you step off the throne of your heart? so he can take his rightful place. After the miracle of healing, the centurion's servant, we see in verses 14 through 17, Jesus' authority to restore the unnoticed. Women were seen as second-class citizens in Jewish society at that time. They were unnoticed, overlooked, taken for granted. But Jesus touched her and restored her. He wasn't too busy even for someone as, as no, unnoticed as his friend's mother in law. And Peter's mother in law's rapid response to life doesn't necessarily highlight as much as her willingness to um, serve Jesus, but as much as the immediacy of Jesus' ability to completely heal and restore. See, he had the authority. He doesn't just stop there with Peter's mother-in-law either. He he continues long into that evening doing the same with the oppressed, the sick, the demon-possessed. Jesus' ministry was a demanding one and and made
0: time for the many unnamed and unnoticed but not unimportant to Jesus. The last verse in this section, Matthew puts a cap on this entire passage. And he says,
1: that Jesus' healing ministry, all that you, we just saw, it, it was to fulfill what was written in the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. He quotes Isaiah 53, and, and it's, it's that famous prophetic passage that points to the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. But what are we to make of Matthew's reference to this prophecy being fulfilled here before the cross in Jesus' healing ministry. And how should that inform how we, how we view healing today? I have just, just four things, four big thoughts as, as to, to aid us as we think through healing. First is this, is that sin is what is at the root of all sickness and suffering. See, disease is not the root of why Jesus came. Sin is. We are all sinful and rebellious at heart. And because of that sin, we also live in a fallen world ever since that day in the garden. Things are broken. And in this world, everyone, righteous and wicked alike, they all suffer in some form. Some in various degrees than others. There's wicked people that have prosperous, long life. And then there's righteous people that seem to Uh, die and suffer too early, but all of us, regardless, ultimately will die. If you live long enough, you will suffer at some point because you will
0: perish. Second thought is this, is that the cross is the only answer for that sin. See,
1: Jesus is the good shepherd that lays his life down for his sheep. And on the cross, Jesus deals with your sin and with my sin. But he also deals with the effects of sin. And now all will not be made new or whole again until Jesus comes back and brings his kingdom in fullness. But the third point follows is that miracles and healings today are a glimpse of that kingdom to come. See, a time where no sickness, no pain, no disease, one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. At creation, nothing was made that was made apart from Jesus, John 1.1 1, 1 tells us. And when all things are made due and recreated, none of that will be made or recreated without Jesus' power and authority. See, when we pray for healing, We pray that God in a real way would show us his authority and his love for us as he rolls back the effects of the fall, the effects of sin. And he gives us a foretaste of what it will look like on that day when he not just restores us spiritually in fullness to see him face to face, but physically we will be made to have restored bodies, that there will be no crying or weeping. There will be no pain or illness. It gives us a glimpse of what eternity is like. The last point I'll say is this. Christianity is not a guarantee of healing. And what I mean by that is we're not guaranteed perfect health in this life. We look forward to the day when we'll be made whole, but we pray with confidence today that Jesus can heal and that he will heal at times. But the Christian life, like we talked about last week, is wrought with suffering. Paul's life was wrought with suffering. And oftentimes, following after Christ leads to all types of suffering. And sometimes that includes illness, sickness, disease, even death. But what I want you to see is that it's it's not about us coming to God like a genie in a lamp, asking to be healed. We pray with confidence. We seek his face. We desire him for him to show his face and show his hand. But it's not so much about the healing as it is about the healer. Matthew has shown us that Jesus has absolute authority over sickness and disease. And he heals as he wills for his good purposes. In context, we see that Matthew is showing us Jesus' absolute authority, not just over disease, but all things. See, I mentioned Matthew 8 and 9 lays out nine miraculous accounts that show Jesus' authority over disease, over demons, over nature, over sin, over salvation, over death, over disabilities. And throughout those miraculous accounts are weaved in calls for discipleship. We see in Matthew, at the end of chapter 8, we see Jesus communicate to these would-be disciples the cost of following after him and what Jesus demands from, the, from his disciples. And then in chapter 9, we see Jesus call this despised tax collector, Matthew, the writer of the
0: gospel. He calls him to follow after him. See, he also, Matthew shows us that it's
1: not just the authority that Jesus has to beckon us to come follow him, but also the heart behind the one who has all authority. See, he's the one that gave himself up for us on the cross. He's the one that went after the unclean, the unworthy, the unnoticed. The one who works miracles and heals for his glory, but also for our good because he loves us. He loves to
0: show himself. We should not be coming Jesus merely to just get physical healing. We should come to him
1: because he is the healer. We shouldn't just come to him because he can calm the storm, but because the one who has authority over the storm is in the boat with us. See, no matter how long disease and sickness last in this life or how long storms or seasons of suffering last in our life, we know that
0: Jesus is with us. We come to Jesus because he beckons us and he has absolute authority. Our role is to be like the leper, to be like the centurion, to put our faith in the one who is willing and able. So my big question for you is this. Where does your allegiance lie? Where does your allegiance lie? sins effects are far reaching it doesn't we don't have to look far to see see them we see them in sickness and disease will you trust him though
1: with the sickness inside you that he can make you
0: clean will you humbly submit to his authority Will you look to the promised one who came and died on the cross for your sin and for my sin? I want to leave you with this quote from Rabbi Zacharias. It says, he said this, Jesus describes your heart. He provides
1: for your malady. He equips you in suffering. He puts meaning in every moment in history. And he conquers death through the resurrection from the
0: grave. Surrender to him. Love him. Follow him. Serve him. Live for him. And take his message wherever you go. Heavenly Father God, you are good. God, and I pray that you
1: will move in a mighty way. God, that we would see you as one who has authority over all things in our life, God, authority in our sickness and diseases. But God, that we would see and behold you, God, that we would submit to you. We would trust you, that we would rest in you and what you are capable of and what your will is for our life, God. I pray for our people, God, that you would... That you would bless them and keep them. God, make your face shine upon them during this season. God, that they would know that that the one who has all authority loves them deeply. God, no matter how they feel of being unworthy or unnoticed or unclean due to the effects of sin, that you have the authority to make them clean, to heal them, to, to address all of their malady, God, to give them purpose and a hope. God, we trust you this morning. God, we give you this time. It's your name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. See you guys soon.
0: This has been the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Thanks for listening, and God bless you.